All right, if you'll turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, there's a lot of different ways that, that I you know, could try to impress uh, Michael Blue about Woodland Park Baptist Church, different things that we're really good at and different things that are attributes. But here's what I thought would be the most important way that we could impress Michael today, and that is on your knowledge of musical trivia. So you ready? Uh, all right, we're going to play a little bit of a name that tune. Are you ready to go? All right, uh, these are fill in the blanks, okay? Uh, you ready to go? Here we go. The first one is owner of a broken heart. Lonely heart. I think you're right. I think it is lonely heart. Uh, and uh, who's, who sings that? That is correct, yes. Uh, all right, next one. Um, your cheating. All right, who is that? Hank Williams Sr., all right. Uh, next one, my heart will go on. Who's that? Celine Dion, all right. Uh, the next one, all right, total eclipse of the heart. Who's that? Bonnie Tyler, all right, good. And uh, the next one, where we're hitting all the classics, achy breaky heart, and that was Billy Ray Cyrus. So, why are there so many songs about the heart? It's because it's where life really matters. It's where life stirs. It's where who we really are is. And if you can reach someone at their heart, then you really reached who they are. And if you don't speak to their heart, if you don't get to their heart, then you haven't really gotten to who they are. The reason I want us to take that little detour this morning is because I want us to go back to verse 1 here of chapter 2. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, quickly, I want to just kind of point out a couple of things. That list of envy and deceit and slander and malice all of those things have to do with how we relate to one another. It is the, the content that's between people in relationships. And the truth is, is that if we were to eliminate this list from our lives, the world would be a better place. If, if we lived in a world where there was no malice, where there was no deceit, there was no hypocrisy, there was no envy, there was no slander, boy, life would be better in this universe. Not only would it be better in this universe, it'd probably be better at your house. It would be probably better in your own life if we got rid of these things. And so the Word of God calls on us to lose these things. But, but as I look at that list, I, I kind of wonder, man, it, why these five? Of all the things that it could talk about, get rid of these things. The Scripture spends other times in other places saying, these are the things that you could get rid of. These are the things that you should get rid of in your life. And there's a whole list of commandments that it mentions. But why, why these five? What's unique about these five? What I looked at this week and, and what I believe about this five is that these five all deal at the heart level. All of these things that if you really played your cards right and you really concentrated, you, you could put a mask on and nobody would know that you have any of these things going on inside of your life. You can hide malice. You can hide envy. You can hide deceit. That's the whole point of deceit. You can hide slander. 
all of these things, you can make it so nobody knows that they exist. But the issue is they exist at the heart. And one of the things that we have to see in terms of our faith is that we don't just want to keep our faith at the surface level of just what it looks like when someone glances at our life, but we want to know that the difference that Jesus has made in our life has reached all the way down to our heart. And so there's a quick little diagnostic for your life this morning. How deep has your faith impacted your life? Well, take a look at envy and slander and malice, deceit. How often does that pop up as a reflex that's still inside of our soul? I mean, again, if we're not being deceitful, <laughs> it, it shows up a bunch in our life. But I would tell you that the solution to this is that you cannot just try to be a better person and get rid of these things. These kinds of things can only happen when the Spirit of God has invaded our lives at the heart level and it has begun to marinate in and, and just deepen our lives at the heart level. Now you and I want to make sure that we have a life that runs deep and a faith that runs deep. We don't ever want someone to say about our lives that we are shallow in any place, in any way. So I think that the rest of the passage that we look at this morning in part says this is how we live our lives and build our lives spiritually. This is how we build our lives spiritually so that we don't just function skimming the surface, but it really changes the deep places in our life at that heart level. So I want to just go through a couple things that, that I think that you'll see in the text, that you'll recognize and say, I remember when we read that. that. That'll be right there in the text that you saw. And so I want us to go through this. These are ways in which I can make sure that my faith can eliminate malice and envy and deceit and slander. But also more than that, it can function at that heart level. Are you ready? Good. Well, we're going to do it anyways. Uh, all right. Uh, the first thing, and, and the first thing that I would just say is that I will crave the basics. Let's read that together. I will crave the basics. Man, you guys did so much better than 830 on that. Man, good job. I would never tell them that. But you guys really got that, got that right. Uh, now, I want you to take a look here at verses 2 and 3 in this passage of Scripture. How many of you really, just show of hands real quick, okay? Show of hands. How many of you really, really enjoy the sound of a baby crying? I mean, that's just like a favorite thing. In fact, if you take a look at your iTunes account, it's mostly different babies crying. Babies from different countries crying. You like to just hear the different dialects in the cry. And when you get a seat on a plane, you kind of look around and say, who's got an infant that might cry for the next two and a half hours? I hope I get to sit next to, uh, to that person. When you're at a restaurant, you, you, you want to find a place where there's some unhappy kids because you really, really want to cry. You want to hear them cry. Well, we, we don't do that. But you know what? Sometimes it's, it's, hard. it's hard to stop a baby from crying. It's sometimes hard to stop your own baby from crying. And what you want to do is you, you do everything you can to try to entertain that baby and try to distract that baby and try to get that baby to stop crying. But sometimes the only thing that's going to change life for that baby 
is that you're going to feed that baby. That that baby is hungering for its mother. That that baby is hungering uh, to to spend some quality time with, with mom and to be nourished with some milk from mom. This passage of scripture says that we are to be like newborns craving, hungering for spiritual milk. Now, what's interesting is that just last week we talked about, sometimes the scripture talks about the fact that sometimes we are still, we are still consuming milk when we should be consuming milk or meat. And that is a statement of spiritual immaturity. And it says, don't drink milk. You need to be moving on to, to healthier, more vigorous meals like, like meat, um, that, that's a sign of maturity. But in this passage, it says what you really need is that you need to crave milk. Now, what is it talking about here? Because it says it's like a newborn infant who wants milk. And this is what I was trying to say earlier, is that if you have an infant that is hungry, there's not a single thing on this planet that you can do for that infant to change his or her spirit when what that baby wants is food. When that baby wants that food, it's nothing else will take its place. The Word of God is telling us that if we are to live at a deeper level that speaks to our heart, then we have to learn how to crave the basics. Now, what the basics are here, if you just look back a couple of verses at the end of chapter 1, the basics are the Word of God. It is talking about the unchangeable, everlasting, never going out of style truth that transforms our life that's found in the Word of God. If we are to have lives that function deeply, it comes from our time that's spent in the Word. Let me encourage you to be spending time in the Word. There's several different ways in which you can spend time in the Word, uh, ways that really, really matter. But let me just kind of go through them in the order from least important to most important. The least important you're doing right now. I mean, it's good. I'm glad you're here. We're, 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 We're consuming the Word together. We're studying the Word of God together. And that matters. In fact, one of our commitments is that when you come to church at Woodland Park Baptist Church and you come to a worship service at Woodland Park Baptist Church, one of the strongest features that you're going to find inside this worship service is the preaching and teaching and the explaining of the Word of God. And in fact, we hope that when people develop a reputation of Woodland Park, it'll be that it is a kind place, that it's a loving place, that it's a joyful place, it's a place that that is free in its worship. But I hope that high on that list is a statement that said, I understand the Word of God better because I've been to that church than before I came to that church. We want this to be a teaching church, and our services are centered on the Word of God. And when I stand before you, it is my goal that every time I open up the Word of God and I preach a sermon, that you can look into the text and say, I see where he got that from. Crave it like a newborn craves milk. We do that in the public teaching of the Word of God. But I'd also encourage you to get involved in one of our small group Bible studies, uh, one of our Sunday school classes uh, that meets at 945 throughout our building here. Uh, In fact, if you go to our website, there's a list of all the different classes that you could go to. Uh, There's a trifold uh, out at the welcome table back there, a, a white trifold paper that lists all of our Sunday school classes. I would tell you that as important as it is to be in worship, 
for your spiritual growth, being in a small group Bible study is even better than being here in worship. It's the place where you get to ask questions. It's the place where you get to discuss it and talk about it and see how your faith lives out in real life with other people that are studying the same passage of Scripture. Come and study in a small group Bible study. But even better than those is the time that you spend in the Word yourself. Uh, on Monday, on Tuesday, um, Thursday, whatever days of the week that, that you can to get to the Word of God and on an intentional way read through passages of Scripture. Now every once in a while somebody will say, I, I can't read Scripture. I can't understand Scripture. It's too complicated. It goes over my head. I don't understand it. I don't have the background. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. It's too much for me. Scripture's not really intended for regular people. I want to say this as, as kindly as I can, but don't ever buy into that. I want you to know that the Word of God was written to regular people. People. It was intended from the very beginning not to be written to scholars, not even to be written to ministers. The letters that we read are written to the members of the churches that those letters go to, not to the leaders of the church. It's written to everyday people. I want you to know they are written by everyday people to everyday people. God has intended His Word to be understood by regular folks from the beginning of time. And so every once in a while, it takes a little bit of time to get a little bit of an ear. Sometimes, because the Word of God is saying something different than what we expected to say, sometimes we have to read it once or twice or, or three times. Sometimes we can't really go through it a really a huge amount because it's so much information at one time. It's okay. Slow down. Read it again. Try it reading from a different translation of the Bible. Uh, read it in a different way. Read it out loud. Uh, make notes with your pencil, either on a separate sheet of paper or inside of your Bible. But let me just tell you, the Word of God was designed for you to hear, understand, and know. It's the whole reason why it was given to you. And if we want to live our lives at the heart level, it begins by consuming the Word of God. Uh, secondly, I want you to know that if we want to live at that heart level, we choose Jesus over everything. In fact, let's, let's say that together. I will choose Jesus over everything. Now, you may think when I say choose Jesus over everything, man, I, that's really simplistic. I, it really can't really be that plain. It can't really be that simple as, as Jesus, this historical figure, being the answer to all of these things. Life's more complicated than that. Jesus can't really be the answer to all of those things. I mean, Jesus is good. I, I like Jesus. Jesus is all these things. But it can't really be Jesus, just the answer to everything, really? Well, I would tell you that you're not the first person to have that question. You're not the first person to have that response. In fact, as you come back to the text today, I want you to see that this text describes Jesus in three different ways. He describes him as the living stone. It's a pretty good word. He describes him as the stone that's in the way. And he describes him as the stone that holds everything together. And I want you to know that all three of those things that are true. Jesus is the living stone. We've got these 
these stones that are made here and all that, but, but Jesus is the real thing. He's got weight. He's got strength. He doesn't move. Not only that, but he is alive. That's pretty great. But the passage also describes Jesus as the stumbling stone, the stone that people trip over. And I'm going to tell you that from the beginning of time, from the beginning of Jesus' earthly life, People have been stumbling and finding Jesus in their way ever since. Think about it. From the very days of Jesus, the very first days of Jesus' life, when King Herod was looked at Jesus and said, I've heard Jesus is born, I'm going to try to remove Jesus from the pages of history because he is in my way. We look in the Gospels and we see how many people come and follow Jesus, but at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, it is a handful of people that fit in one room. Because nearly just as many people walked away from Jesus as walked to Jesus. Because they looked at Jesus, they listened to Jesus, they heard Jesus, and they said, that's not for me. What he's asking for in my life is too much. And throughout the seasons of history, people have looked at Jesus and said, no, too much or not enough. Or whatever it is, they looked at Jesus and said, that's not going to work for me. And they stumble at that point of Jesus. Hey, in fact, Jesus, it tells us, is not just a stone that's in the way, but Jesus is the stone that holds it all together. The picture is of the cornerstone, and it is the first stone that is laid in the building. It is the stone that is the strongest stone. It's the one that's going to be there in the corner, and everything else that's going to be built on that building is going to rest its weight and its structure upon that first stone. It is the one that everything depends on and counts on. That's who Jesus is. One of the things that we have to understand is that as popular of a phrase is, let's agree to disagree, Jesus never falls in that category. He does not allow for the phrase, let's agree to disagree, because either you see Jesus as the thing that holds it all together, or he is going to be the place in which you stumble. Because either we receive Jesus over and above everything, or that's the place that we fall. So what does this mean in our everyday living? It means that we worship Jesus. It means that we pray to Jesus. It means that we study Jesus. It means that we look at how he lives in the Gospels and the truth that he brings. And we try to ask ourselves, how can I look and sound like Jesus in every part of my life? Does my online experience and living in either content or communication, does it look and sound like Jesus? Does the things that I'm chasing after in life, does that look and sound like Jesus? Are the relationships, the way that I, that I value the people around me, does that look and sound like Jesus? Every part of my life, has to be choosing Jesus as that cornerstone for my life. There's a third thing in this passage that I think talks about deepening our life so that we're living at that heart level, and that is that I will become part of the larger faith community. This is a long one. Do you think you can do it? 
All right, let's do it together. I will become part of a larger faith community, the larger faith community. Man, take a look at the passage again. Find out where it says that Jesus is the living stone. Okay, do you see that? It says Jesus is the living stone. And then right after that it says, and you, check this out. Jesus is the living stone and you are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Man, Jesus is the living stone, and in him, you and I become living stones. And then those living stones, it says, are being built up into a spiritual house. Because again, I want you to see here, it's the gathering of all of these stones from across the, that are strewn all over the area. And you begin to gather those stones and together they begin to make something more than themselves. It's the difference between just being a stone and now you are part of a building. In fact, the word of God here is telling us is, man, he is the living stone. You can become living stones like him. But when you do that, the whole point of being a living stone is that you are to be gathered together so that you can build a spiritual house. I love both of these things. I love where it says that I am a living stone and that we are a spiritual building. Did you get that? I am a living stone. And we are spiritual building. You see, our faith is never intended to be lived on its own. There is no such thing as an unchurched disciple of Jesus. If you are being a disciple, it means that you are plugged in to a community of faith. Church, small group, community, someplace that says, this is true in your life, this is true in my life, let's together be disciples together and seek after Jesus together with all that we do. Let's do this together. In fact, this is emphasized here in verses 9 and 12, and I, I love verses 9 and 12. Listen to what it says, and we, we paid attention to this in the reading, but listen, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possessions. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You once had not received mercy, but you have received mercy. But I want you to see that race, priesthood, nation, people, chosen people, all of those things are places where an individual is now part of a larger community. A race, a priesthood, a nation, all of those things, a people, all of those things where the individual is now part of community. Let me tell you, it's one of the most important things that we can do in terms of our life spiritually is to belong with other people. As we think about this this morning, my challenges to you are, are to belong. The first place that I would challenge you to belong is I, I would challenge you to belong to Jesus. I would challenge you that Jesus would not be that stumbling block that you would come to and say, yeah, I'm not sure. But that I would in full faith, fully receive and fully adopt all that Jesus did to change and transform your life for now and for all of eternity. To receive him as the forgiveness of your sins and to make him that cornerstone of your life. 
And if you have found yourself in this room today and you've never, you've never fully embraced Jesus, you've just kind of seen Jesus as a maybe, as a sure, but not as your whole life, would you receive Jesus with your whole life today and become a Jesus person? I would also just encourage you to become part of this church, this worshiping body uh, of people. Uh, and, and that means that you would come and that you would worship here, but there would be something inside of your heart, inside of your spirit that says, this is my people. Uh, I'm not just here because of convenience. I'm not just here on the Sundays that I feel like it, but, but this is my family. This is my place. Uh, these are the people that I'm sharing the most important part of my life with and that you would identify this is my home. And I would encourage you to do that. We do that sometimes officially through what we call membership. And membership is simply where you say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I have followed through with baptism, or I will follow through with baptism. And I believe that God wants this to be my home spiritually. And at the end of the service, we give you opportunity to say, yeah, I need to do that. I can talk to you about that at any time. But I would encourage you, make this your home and connect to this church. And then I'd encourage you to connect to a small group Bible study. Uh, on a typical Sunday, we have a little bit more than half of our worshiping congregation that's plugged into a small group Bible study. And we, we want that number to get higher. In fact, that's so important to us, that's the whole reason we're, we're inviting Michael to become part of our church, is to help move folks into those small group communities where you can feel like you belong, you're connected, you can study the word together, and, and that's the place where you're going to get loved on, and you're going to get cared for, and that you're going to know that when you come to church, people know you and are connected to you. I'd really encourage you to find one of those small group Bible studies to come and be a part of. You can find them on the website. There's the trifold uh, information that's at the information desk back there. But, man, get involved in a small group. It's the places where you'll laugh. It's the places where you'll cry. It's the places where you'll, you'll love. And it's probably the places where you'll eat as well. I, from sources close to me tell me that happens in those groups as well. But, man, would you take a step forward? so that you can take a step deeper into Jesus, into our church, into a small group, so that your faith begins to run closer and closer to the heart level of your life. Let's pray.